The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas desert and energy industry who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. We hope you're ready to rumble because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Good evening, WWM listeners. Last week, we began our new series going through my book, The Savage Path, Memoir of Modern Masculinity. We're doing it a chapter at a time with a different special guest each week. If you want to learn more about the book or order a copy, I'm going to be discounting it for uh, this series. Just visit my website at www.thesavagepath.com. Chapter one was titled Courage and Catastrophe with my guest Brian Rungi. Today, we are covering chapter two titled Thrift Leads to Innovation. I thought the book might make a good resource for men's small groups, so I decided to put a study guide with the scripture references on that topic's on that chapter's topic, and a few discussion questions in the back. We'll be using those questions and a few anecdotes or excerpts from the chapter to cover each of the topics. So my guest today is also the generous sponsor of our show and owner of Prism Specialties. As a successful business owner and CPA, he is more than qualified to discuss both thrift and innovation. He has been on the show once previously to share his compelling story about forgiveness in a business situation, so go back and check out the April 21st episode from this spring if you haven't heard it yet. Mike Kinney, welcome back to Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thank you, David, for having me. You know, I have to admit, I laughed hilariously when I read your broccoli dilemma. <laughs> your broccoli was actually my cucumbers. <laughs> I couldn't swallow them. I don't know why, but it just wouldn't happen. So uh, uh, thanks for that good laugh. Okay, well, let me just uh, read a short excerpt, you know, on how I introduced this chapter. So, there I was, sitting at the kitchen table, staring at a plate, still loaded with the helping of what was now quite cold broccoli, my nemesis. This was becoming a far too common occurrence in my estimation as a nine-year-old. I loathed broccoli. The smell of it in the house when my mom began cooking it disgusted me. And it wasn't just broccoli either. I felt the same way about the smell of cauliflower and Brussels sprouts. When it came to texture, mushrooms and asparagus were my nemesis. Yes, I was truly the pickiest of all picky eaters and equally stubborn in my resistance to ingesting such horrible food. And there they were also, my two older sisters, Kathy and Terry, the Sentinels. Our family rules <laughs> were that you could not leave the table or have dessert until you ate everything served on your plate. I was a world-class holdout, dramatically gagging on split-pea soup, pleading, negotiating, begging favors from my sisters. I can't really imagine what my parents thought about their youngest child's behavior, only that his will must be broken. Give no quarter. And yet, that is exactly how this scene would typically end up playing out. Neither of my sisters wanted to spend their entire evening posted as Sentinel watching me staring silently at my plate. I would whisper to them in desperation, how about a quarter each to let me give it to the dogs or throw it away in my napkin? <laughs> the deal was done, and it was worth every penny. The only problem was that we ate these vegetables far more often 
then I got my meager 50 cents per week allowance. On top of that, it would mean that I would be the only child who would not have movie money for the Saturday matinee at the Air Force Base movie theater where we lived nearby. This situation was a real conundrum, not to mention unsustainable. The wilderness was far colder and crueler than I deserved. So that's just how that chapter is introduced. And then I go on to uh, describe how I uh, learned a little bit about magic to make vegetables disappear. And you'll have to read the book, you know, to find out more about that. So I use this humorous story, Mike, you know, to introduce a serious subject. We need to help train boys at an early age to think through their problems and be resourceful and creative in coming up with good solutions for them. Today, passivity is uh, very problematic in my view. Many young men who didn't receive this kind of training are waiting for someone or something else to solve their problems. Is, is this what you've observed too? You know, David, I can identify with this perfectly. Uh, I actually grew up in a single parent family with little or no support in developing critical problem-solving skills. Most of my problem-solving skills were enveloped on the street in a more destructive manner than anything. It might be, you know, beating up my brothers so they <laughs> wouldn't tell on me. Or going with the flow of the skateboard gang I ran around with when I was eight years old. You know, but I've also seen this in the church setting as well with the new generations. My wife and I recently directed a Bible study uh, class for young married adults. You mentioned passivity. Mm -hmm. Well, we could not get any of these kids to step up. It seemed like the teachers and I were always the ones who absorbed the responsibilities we really wanted to delegate. Well, you know, in the study guide in the back of the book, I reference Scripture to frame a small group discussion, you know, for each chapter. And for chapter two, the Scripture is Proverbs 13 and verse 4. Lazy people want much but get little. But those who work hard will prosper and be satisfied. So, Mike, how old were you when you first showed an aptitude toward some vocation? Yeah, you know, David, from as long as I can remember, I've always had an aptitude for math, okay? All I remember was my name was posted at the top of the grades list in both junior high and high school. You know, going into college, I remember thinking, okay, now what's next here? A good friend of mine from high school and I were, were talking, and he said, Mike, you know what? You were always really good at math. You probably should consider accounting as a career. You know, and there we go. The rest is history, as they say. That two-minute conversation actually initiated the plan for the rest of my life. Though I didn't know it at the time, though God certainly set this foundation for my life. Well, that's, uh, you know, there are very early indicators in mind, you know, so I'm nine years old and I'm like, how am I going to solve this problem? So I'm thumbing through comic books and I kind of look and on the inside flap of every comic book, you know, there's these advertisements about magic. And I said, you know, that's it. I need to make these vegetables disappear. And I just decided that I was going to try to solve this problem myself and then, uh, you know, what I describe in the book was kind of like a, a magic trick on how I was able to, for a long time, uh, use essentially sleight of hand and conversation at the dinner table to uh, <laughs> uh, to get rid of the vegetables that I didn't want to eat. And 
it's just funny, you know, then, then you learn about negotiating and these are skills that are really applicable, you know, in my career later, you know, in negotiating and selling and, and trying to be creative in problem solving. So they do uh, show up early in your young life and you, you do need people to help kind of direct you, you know, toward those. And uh, certainly, you know, managing money is, is a big problem these days because credit is so easily available, you know, so did you ever have trouble managing money or expenses? You know what, David? I think this is a softball question for me. You know, money management is, quite frankly, right up my alley. And and let me give you a few examples, okay? So my children, who are now young adults, were taught to be very frugal. I I guess I would even say maybe cheap (laughs) by their dad, okay? Uh, I may have accentuated this point uh, a little too much because now, as young adults, I can't even get them to pick up the check in a restaurant. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that, that's, that's my problem, certainly. You know, but, uh, uh, you know, again, as a young adult, I went through Larry Burkett's money management course about 30 years ago. And now I try to help people with their finances whenever I can. Um, uh, one point, uh, at one point in time, I became a stockbroker as well, and that helped me build investment management skills. Even our, in our business, we try to use God's assets to further his kingdom. All of this training brought me to the point that I'm somewhat afraid of debt, quite fr- frankly, because I don't want to serve two masters. And I shiver when I think of the potential impact excessive debt could have on a person's life. Well, and, and a country's. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. afraid I'm, we're, exactly. in a real, we're in a real boat there. I don't know what we can do about that, but I hate to see, you know, what uh, this pandemic has brought about in terms of the, the trillions. And people can't even, I think I've mentioned on the show before that a trillion seconds ago, it was before Jesus was alive even. And, you know, we just don't have a comprehension of these kind of numbers. And so... And, and guess who's on the hook for all of that debt, too? Right. It's the, our kids, unfortunately. It's, and, right. Uh, us and our kids. You're exactly right. Well, many people, you know, the show is called Wrestling with the Inner Man. And this is really something that people wrestle with uh, tremendously because once you get into debt and then you get that credit card statement and you can only make the minimum payment, you know, and it just like, you know, if I've had a big balance and it says if I only make the minimum payment, it'll take 14 years, you know, to pay this off. And uh, I always pay it off every month. But for those who do have trouble with, you know, what suggestions, you know, might you have to help them get back on track? You got any uh, points or tips or suggestions that can then help our listeners out who might be uh, struggling a little bit with some financial discipline? Yeah, I absolutely do, David. You know, I'm always amazed at how uninformed people are in general about basic money, money management, and especially, especially the young adults. You know, many of these folks are not even willing to use experts to help them through or are just afraid that money management will impact their lifestyles negatively. Okay. Uh, money problems are typically in the top three issues leading to divorce, which is, is obviously very intuitive. Uh, you know, my number one recommendation, David, is I, would, I would, would make is to sit down with an expert in money management and let them help you through the issues. Many will provide this expertise for free. You know, I know in the, the church that you and I previously attended, there were lots of financial counselors that could help, you know, uh, young adults and uh, any other people that, that had uh, money issues. 
The second recommendation I might have is try to avoid debt in most cases if possible. Now, I recognize that there are certain things like mortgage, debt, and stuff like that that's that's really a constant. It, it's very problematic for most people to pay off their mortgages, but the goal is to pay all debt as quickly as possible. You'll be happy with the freedom that this presents, and, uh, you know, it is won't serve two masters. Right. About Dave Ramsey, you know, that was, of course, that's a big thing. My kids have read the book, and, uh, you know, they've actually uh, really taken a lot of that to heart. Do you think that's a, a good place to start for folks? I really do. And I mentioned Larry Burkett earlier. Mary, uh, Larry Burkett was actually the the uh, one that, that initiated the money management courses back 30-plus years ago. And I think he was uh, – Larry Bur- I mean uh, – Dave Ramsey, I think, was one who actually used uh, Larry Burkett as a mentor, okay? Mm-hmm. So, no, without a doubt, without a doubt, a course like that, it's very basic. You know, I went through the course, and I found it to be very basic. For, for many, that's exactly what's needed. Well, how about uh, kids? If you've got – how can you begin to teach them, like, through – allowance or through or even even tithing and giving to the church you know what do you what do you recommend as far as teaching like young children so that you know those habits are again you know learned at an early age and then you know like you said with your own kids you know i, I hate the word cheap because that's why i use the word thrifty you know because <laughs> that that's uh one of my boy scout you know uh scout law thrifty and uh yeah frugal Brutal is the word I use. Okay, yeah. So what would you do? <laughs> what did you do with your kids that, that, that actually seems to have stuck? So what were your tactics there? Yeah, well, I've been fortunate to have a couple of my kids work with me in our business. So, you know, they've seen how we've managed money through that experience. But even earlier, yeah, we required our kids to tithe 10% of their money to the church. So they got that basic foundation very young, okay? And, uh, you know, they also noticed that we were not, we being my wife and I, were not elaborate in our spending habits, even though God had blessed us very well. Uh, you know, we were not elaborate by any means. I mean, our, we, we didn't buy the best clothing. Uh, we didn't live in the best houses. We didn't buy the best cars. And I think they saw that, and it stuck, you know. And as a result, you know, we were never in a financial dilemma. You know, it was uh, uh, we always had enough, you know, to do the things that we needed to do. And uh, so that whole experience, I think, stuck very well with our children. Yeah, you you need to have this uh, reserve or cushion, and if you're spending everything that comes in, you know, and and not having that that cushion, there's always the uh, unanticipated, you know, car repair, washing exactly. machines, you know, appliances and things. I remember when my daughter was uh, little, she really wanted a, a puppy, you know, and and so we went and we looked at this litter. It was a friend of mine from college who had these really good hunting dogs. You know, it was a, a blonde lab. Uh, in the litter that she wanted. And I was like, you know, this costs a lot of money. And she didn't really have a good understanding of it. I mean, she was about six years old. And so, you know, I said, I made her roll up all these coins. I had this big jar of all this, this change, you know, and I made her roll it up into all the things. And I made her hold a, I had a a crown Royal bag that was just kind of like a little treasure sack. And I goes, feel how heavy that is. That's a lot. And then I made her get her Barbies and I made her 
I said, it's this many Barbies, you know, for a dog. Do you really want the dog? <laughs> and and she still remembers that, you know, because I, you try yeah. to put it in a currency, you know, that, that they can understand. Absolutely. Hey, you know, David, you mentioned uh, tithing, but one of the other things that we required our kids to do is to save 10% as well. You know, we wanted them to get accustomed to, you know, putting money into savings. Um, yeah, I, I think that's enormously important as well. So uh, one, one of the other things that they saw us do, too, is we, uh, we put, uh, w- when they were first born, we actually established a 529 plan for our kids. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's actually a college savings program. And, uh, you know, we would put $100 a month for each one of our kids into this plan. And ultimately, it grew to be a very nice stipend for them as they went to college. So those are the types of things you can do for your children that really resonate and, you know, help them to become the frugal, as we've discussed. Yeah, so having a savings account and, and really kind of teaching them the, uh, the power, you know, of compound interest and, you know, something that can grow like that. Uh, is is huge because a big ex- college is very expensive, and so if you don't begin when they're small, you know that's not gonna that's not gonna grow fast enough to uh, to meet the needs. And of course, today, you know, we're all looking at record inflation. You know, most of our children's age have never even seen this. You know, you and I did back in the uh, in the Carter mm-hmm. years. You know, back in the yep. the, the late seventies was uh, really high like that. In fact, I remember I financed my first brand new vehicle out of college in eighty two at eighteen percent interest. And, uh, you know, I learned learned those lessons and they were painful uh, early. So uh, that's where I learned about, you know, credit. And I actually uh, when I I, automobile insurance was something that was huge for me. I was living in Tom Green County, Texas, and I had a 64 Comet that was I only had liability on. It was just, you know, it was a junker. And so I was paying like two hundred dollars a year for liability insurance. And then I went and I got my apartment here in Houston when I started my job after A&M. And then I said, well. Okay, I'm going to go buy this Toyota truck. Well, those little trucks were stolen a lot at that time, and and then I'm in Harris County, and it was twelve hundred dollars. It was six times, you know, what I had been paying, and it was, it actually knocked me off where I actually was going under, and I had to I had to break my lease and forfeit a deposit, and then go get an efficiency apartment. And again, early valuable lesson for me, you know, on debt that uh, was extremely important. So sure. You know, in that chapter, it was funny because I, you know, I talk about how I, I used magic, you know, and I kind of began to uh, be able to slip these vegetables uh, under the table and, and dispose of them in creative ways. But then, you know, I was thinking, you know, I can I can work this uh, from a supply chain. You know, I was learning about supply chains because if I could move up the supply chain and get rid of these uh, vegetables, as soon as my mom came home from the grocery store, I would always, you know, she shopped at the commissary on the base and... Uh, I said, well, you know, I'll just, like, we used to have liver once a week. And I would just throw that liver in the trash, help them put the groceries away <laughs> out in the backyard. Before. David, you have a problem with liver, really? <laughs> yes, I did. And uh, so, you know, I was learning more about supply chain and trying to work it upstream. And, uh, again, you know, that ended up being uh, something. where, But I was I was resourceful is the point that I was trying to illustrate in the chapter. Yeah. And, so how about you? Do you have an example of when you had to be resourceful to solve a problem? Yeah, well, D- David, to kind of backtrack in just a second here, I, I have to admit I love liver. Oh, really? 
The the only thing in the world I don't like are cucumbers, as I mentioned before. Uh-huh. And um, I remember my dad saying, saying one day you're going to learn to love cucumbers. Quite frankly, I can I can still say I do not like cucumbers <laughs> at all. Anyway, so so back to your question, you know, David. My wife and I have really been truly blessed as it relates to God providing income to meet our needs. You know, the jobs we've had, now the business has provided more than enough, you know, for our needs. In terms of your specific example and question, um, I did share on the last show a little bit about a business partner that had absconded with a considerable amount of money, and the banks came after me. You know, this was an extremely stressful time for us as a family. And quite frankly, I upped my game by reading the Bible more diligently, praying more often, and serving the body of Christ more aggressively. Being focused on Christ brought me great peace about this situation. The the Matthew 11.28 kind of peace is what I'm talking about here. So ultimately, as you know from prior conversation with me, God resolved the situation by providing the money that I needed to repay the bank. The bankers and the attorneys saw Christ being glorified through this entire ordeal, and like Job, he replenished what was taken away. So being faithful, you know, just like Job, we can really use that that example of Job in this case. And, uh, you know, God may not bring it back. You know, he, he just may not do it. But God is going to be there, and he's going to provide the peace that we need to get through very stressful situations like that. That's a fantastic illustration, because that's that's the only place where you can get that peace. And financial stress, like you said, it leads to divorce. It can probably, in fact, uh, you know, I was uh, I was out in the wilderness, and I come back, and I'm reading some of the top headlines, and I see the CFO of uh, Bed Bath & Beyond did uh committed suicide, yep. you know, jumped off a tall building. And so, yeah, the, the pressures of uh, financial stress can really, really get to folks. And I think uh, yep. we're in a time right now where food costs are going up, rent costs are going up, everything. And, yep. I'm, you know, I'm really sensitive to it. I thought this would be a good time, you know, to cover it, you know, for our listeners. So, you know, uh, David, David the, uh, the young adults that I've counseled in the past, um, typically, you know, their number one issue is financial stress. You know, and, uh, you know, once we delve into the topic and and we start trying to lay out a good foundation for them to get out of that, you know, I found that about 50 percent of them want to move forward and another 50 don't. So um, but, uh, you know, I I, I think, uh, as I mentioned before, that's the number one opportunity for for our youth to get out of that is to seek financial expertise. And like I mentioned, there's plenty of it out there. Well, uh, let's plug PRISM here. You know, you're the sponsor of the show. Tell us what exactly PRISM Specialties uh, does. Yeah, so um, regarding PRISM Specialties, we are a contents restoration company who restores specialty items uh, that are impacted by disastrous events such as fire, water, or lightning. Specialty items include textiles, electronics, art, and documents. And we handle both residential and commercial claims as well. That's, so that's it. In well, so, you know, we're here in hurricane season. I always worry a little bit about that. And, you know, I know when you have uh, 
flooding like we had the five-year anniversary of Harvey. If you got any issues like that, call Prism Specialties, folks. This is a Christian man who's going to take excellent care of you, who has excellent employees. And uh, we just thank you so much, Mike, for your generosity and uh, in sponsoring the show as well. Uh, it's, it's really really my pleasure, David. Thank you for the opportunity to to be part of this fantastic team. All right. Well, if you got any other uh, questions about topics that we cover on the show, email me at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com to offer input, suggestions, or provide feedback on any of our programs. And so I'll just close real quickly in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Mike, for his witness, for his words, you know, today and for the way that you provide that peace, even when we're uh, feeling all stressed out about our finances and it's a difficult time for all of us with uh, inflationary environments and there's just the, the war and other things that have impacted supply chains. And so we just ask that you be with all of us. Give us that peace that surpasses understanding in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. AM 1070, the answer wrestling with the inner man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage. For more information, reach out to David at WrestlingWithTheInnerMan at gmail.com. That's WrestlingWithTheInnerMan at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.